Welcome to the Gospel Ministry of Exchange Church. Thank you for connecting with us for our Bible talk today, and please feel free to share these talks with others as well. It's our desire to connect people to Jesus and grow people in Jesus. To find out more about us, please visit our website www.exchangechurch.org.au. So we have been going through a uh, sermon series here in January. Um, Moving forwards amongst the culture going backwards. I think that could be up there. Yeah, moving forwards in a culture going backwards. We're looking at a number of different aspects. And today as we set that up, uh, think about this. Uh, Hands up who's got a Facebook profile. Let me just have a quick look around. Some hands going up. Good. Well, if you go to make a Facebook profile, you need to fill in a whole stack of details. All of these details here are to actually help you build a profile or your Facebook identity. One of the boxes you need to check or fill in is the gender box on Facebook. In the gender box, you can throw that image up if it's not already up there, Joe. In the gender box, there's 71 options that you can choose from when it comes to your gender. Although that number is actually changing a little bit as well. Here's what you can identify as. Asexual, F to M, intersex person, polygender, I'm not going to read out all 71, just a few, androgynous, you're probably thinking, what the heck is that? Bigender, cisgender, gender non-conforming, gender queer, male, female, or two-spirit. And there's probably another 50 others you can add on top of that as well. Now, I'm not saying that to poke fun at Facebook. In no means am I doing that. I say this to highlight that we live in a world that is incredibly confused when it comes to our identity. I think 71 gender identities speaks more about identity confusion than what it does about this free choice or this liberal choice that we can choose to be whatever we want to be. So we're going to think about that today as we think about identity. And we're going to think of how the gospel gloriously redeems us from this confusion and sets us free to know our true identity in God and to be able to live that out. So if you've got your Bibles, please go to Psalm 139. And we're going to read the first 18 verses of that. Starting at verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you 
when I was being made in secret, intricately woven the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God! How vast is the sum of them! If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you that we're able to come together today to open up your inspired word. We ask and pray now that you would come and breathe life into this word. Open up our eyes to see the truth that is contained here in our identity found in the image of God that he has created us to be. Please help us, Lord, with all the things that are filling our mind at this point in time. Help us to just peel that away and just give us a, a real clear vision of your word now. And uh, may it bring faith to our hearts to uh, submit ourselves to Christ and to worship him as our Lord and Saviour for the glorious identity that he's reclaimed for us through the cross. Lord, we ask that now in Jesus' name. Amen. So we are continuing on in this series here, moving forwards in a culture that's going backwards. Uh, It's a picture here of Jesus Christ and his gospel changes everything. The gospel empowers us to live life and move forward into life as transformed people and to live as God has called us to live, created in his image. Uh, the Psalms, as Doug was saying before, sometimes a bit of a challenge to read through. Really what they are is the raw expressions of emotions and feelings of God's people just sharing and revealing life as they go through all the ups and downs of life. It's just their heart breathings, as were, speaking out Uh, what they are feeling at that time. Uh, The Psalms are the inspired work of the Holy Spirit, taking these many situations and circumstances of life and then seeing their response to God as they sort of respond to these various situations. Psalm 139 is a psalm written by King David of Israel. It's a very intimate psalm if you actually read through this. It's like this intimacy there of a personal relationship with God. As you go through Psalm 139, you'll see there's lots of words like you and I. It's like this conversation here that David's having with God, sort of telling these things. And it's like this really beautiful picture here, this aspect that God has with us, this relationship with us. And Psalm 139 is a picture of that, of this personal connection here that David has. And for David, uh, this relationship he has with God, this very personal relationship, is the foundation here in David's life of discovering who David is and finding meaning and purpose in life as he sees who God is as his creator. And this is critically important for us, really, really important for us in the world that we live in today. Why is that? Because the world we live in is suffering with an identity crisis. That's the world we live in. We don't know who we are. And when we don't know who we are then we don't know how to live because we actually haven't got the foundations built in our lives correctly in the first place. So here's our big idea that we're going to go with today, and it's this, discovering my identity in God in that he created me, knows me, and is always with me. It sets me free to find ultimate purpose and meaning in life living for him. Living for him. Discover who God is. And we discover how to live, and when we do that, we discover ultimate purpose and meaning in life, living for him. Okay, let's jump into it. Uh, If there's a major question that all of humanity deal with in life, it's an identity question. It's an identity question that we all 
somewhat struggle with. Probably for the first uh, few years, we had a few kids out here at the front, first five or six years of life, you're not thinking too much about identity. Mum and dad are pretty good. They give me free food and somewhere to sleep at night and they give me some clothes and it's a whole lot of fun. So you're not thinking about it too much at age five or six. But believe it or not, sometimes from age six and seven years onwards, some kids are beginning to question who they are beginning to question who they are. And what some kids are experiencing at this age is what we call gender dysphoria. In other words, they're actually experiencing gender confusion in their lives. Only a small percentage, but even remarkably at this age, that's beginning to happen in their minds. Normally, identity questions begin to gain momentum as we hit the teenage years. We're trying to find our way in this world and sort of work out where we are and who we are. And very often a lot of this trying to find our way in the world at this particular time is we're just trying to fit in with the rest of the world. We don't want to be a square peg in a round hole. So we're trying to work out who we are, who the rest of the world is, and we don't want to stand out, so we just want to fit in with them. That's these questions that begin to happen here at around about the teenage years. And if we think about that, we we get this picture here of where people really begin to build their identity from, and this starting point often is gender. Gender. That's why Facebook has 71 different gender identities at this point in time. If I can just discover my gender in life, then I'll be free to be me. If I can just discover who I am in my gender, that will set me free to live to be me. And with the world we live in today, the current thinking is that you get to choose your own gender. You get to choose your own identity from that aspect. It goes a bit like this. Only you know who you are... Your body doesn't tell you who you are and neither do other people tell you who you are. Only you know who you are in your your identity. Now, even with this so-called free choice of particularly 71 gender identities of Facebook today, large numbers of people who've chosen their own gender identity and sometimes people change very often through that as well, unfortunately... And even when they do that a number of times and they begin to build their life on this new freely chosen gender identity, when they begin to do that, they're actually still confused about who they are. They still haven't actually found purpose and meaning in life, even when they've done this supposedly great thing of choosing their own gender identity. They're still feeling lost to confused about who they really are. Lots of reports you can read about this in. This is not the foundation to build our life. And actually, building your life by choosing your own gender identity from 71 gender identities is a backwards way of living. Some people build their identity on the images they see of other people. Now, all people, to some extent, to some extent, are influenced by what we see. It just happens. These eyes are fantastic things that God's given us. It feeds all this information in and it goes into our brain and we actually get influenced by what we see. And when we see other people uh, that seem successful or are enjoying life, we actually get influenced to identify with them to some aspect. Social media is a very powerful medium here that has a massive influence over our lives in this identity crisis. We see what other people are doing and it begins to influence us. You see, we can be discontent with our life. We're not sure who we are. And we see the so-called lies of others projected before us in social media and they just seem jam-packed, excited, fun, 
just doing things, going here, going there, doing this, doing that. And then we begin to think, that's what I want to be like. That's the life that I want to live. They just seem to be so content. They just seem to be so happy. Whenever I see that picture there, they just seem like they're having fun. They'll excite us and they'll actually think, if I can just take on their identity and take on their life, that perhaps I'll get that satisfaction and fulfilment as well. And then what do we do? Well, we go to work, don't we? Trying to shape our lives around this identity that we're seeing around someone else's life and what they're achieving and what they're doing. We try and look like them. We try and act like them. And we try to be seen at the same places as them, providing our budget allows us sometimes. You see some pretty crazy places where people get to, but we actually begin to copy them or emulate them. We begin to identify with them by doing the same things as them. What happens when we do that? What we find out is we actually can't build our life upon someone else's so-called identity because they're probably building their life on someone else they've seen and they're probably building their life on someone else they've seen. It doesn't happen. The more we try and look like another person's life, the more we find we fall short of what this other person... We can never be at the exciting places they're at. They always seem to be doing something more exciting than me. I actually copy them and, and get to this restaurant or this picture point to take a photo of something and then I look at them and say, oh, they're on the other side of the country doing something else. And you feel like just, ooh, I'm just not quite there yet. What's that do? At least it's feeling depressed, doesn't it? I, I just can't match those people. I feel a bit of despair because they're just overtaking me. So we still feel lost and confused about our identity. We're just not quite where those other people are. What is it? That's another backwards identity. That's moving backwards. Still other people will build an identity on a career of some sort. I'm a doctor, a teacher. I'm a truck driver, I'm a cricketer, I'm a farmer. We'll we'll actually choose one of these careers and we'll actually begin to build our identity upon the career. We go to work building our lives here, if you're a farmer, and becoming the best farmer I could ever be. My life is going to be identified by being a farmer. I'm going to sink all my time and energy and living into being a farmer. People will know me as a super farmer, the best farmer that could possibly be. And people spend lots of money and lots of time and it actually gets in your blood because I know I come from an orcharding background and I do love that and I know how easily it does get into our blood but it could be any other career as well. But I also know this. It just takes one crisis to come along and your whole identifying with farming or any other career that you may choose just takes one crisis to come along And your whole life comes down crashing like a house of cards. One crisis is all it takes. I've known of some local farmers here who've built their whole life around their farm. Their whole life. They have committed everything to it. And back in the early 2000s of this uh, drought that we had, the millennial drought, uh, a lot of these farmers, not a lot, but a number of these farmers committed suicide. They built their life on this career, this farm. Everything come crashing down. They walked the cows to the local abattoir and they went home and then killed themselves. 
Now, you can see it in other people too, when they go into retirement, when the career's over. And what you see for them is they just feel like life's empty. Life's despairing now because they were building themselves into this career, into this identity. Sadly, that's a backwards identity. We could go on with a number of other examples, but all those ones I've just spoken about there, these potential identities that we potentially take on, what in fact they are is little gods. They become little gods in our lives. They become controlling influences in our lives. And we actually begin to bend our life to shape this little god that's actually risen up in our life to sort of you know, control us. We're lost with this confusion here of identity. So we desperately cling on to something to identify with and to build our life upon. So much so that this thing that we've actually clung to becomes this little god and controls us. You see, this is a culture, when it's like that, unfortunately is going backwards in its identity. They don't know where they've come from, and from that they don't know who they are, so from that they don't know actually how to live to find fulfilment and satisfaction in this life that's been given to us. See, it leaves us feeling like a nobody going nowhere when we haven't got the right foundations for our identity. Psalm 139 has a total different approach to life and identity, doesn't it? When you think about what's happening in this psalm here. When you read through Psalm 139, David has this totally different perspective on life in comparison to anything else. When you see what, how David is talking about his connection and his relationship there with God, you see a totally different foundation in life in comparison to the world where we live. It's a beautiful picture here of what David is seeing. And what does David see? David sees there's a, God is his sovereign creator. God is the sovereign creator of the universe. And God is the foundation of David's life, the way he speaks about God here in this psalm. So David's alluding to us here that our foundation and identity in life comes from knowing our creator. And this is what David here knows about his creator. And he says it to, we see it here in Genesis chapter 1, 26, 27. Key foundational stuff here in finding our identity. David would know this. It says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and then let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God he created him, male and female, he created them. David would have known that. The creation starts with God. That our foundational identity is precisely this, that we are special creations of God who's made us in his own image. Image bearers of God. Our primary identity, before we're male or female, or before we're a doctor, or a teacher, or a truck driver, a cricketer, or a farmer, or whatever, before any of that, there are only sort of things that we do in life. Our primary identity in life is this, that we are image bearers of God to reflect his image into this world. 
These other things are gifts and talents and abilities that God gives to us, and we find ourselves moving in different directions as God has gifted us. Could be a doctor, could be a teacher, could be a truck driver, could be a plumber, could be any one of those things. Our primary image is we are created in the image of God to reflect his image back into this world around about us. And here in this particular psalm, David begins to unpack, as it were, four things telling us about this glorious creator who gives us life and a loving God that we can identify with to reclaim our identity in this fallen world. First one here we find in verses 1 to 6, it's this, it's that God knows me. God knows me. In fact, he knows everything about me. God knows me better than I know myself. Look at verse 4 and see what he says there. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. Before a word is on my tongue, behold, you know it altogether. Just think about that for a moment. God knows the very words that we are forming in our mind, and before they even get to our tongue, he's actually discerned those, he knows those words. That's crazy. Some of us can talk really, really quick. God knows those words before they even get from the mind to the tongue. That's how much he knows. And in verse 6, David begins to take this in. He said, this, this knowledge is too much for me. To think that God knows the words before they even leave my mind to go to my tongue. He knows everything about me. What David is saying there, God, you are way bigger than I could ever imagine. You're beyond my... I can't contain this. I can't attain this knowledge. You see, there's not a thing that God doesn't know about us. There's not one thing that God doesn't... We can't hide anything from God. He knows everything. He knows everything about us. We can't shock or embarrass God about our lives. Because you might be thinking, oh, I hope people don't know about this in my life. I hope God doesn't know about that in my life. We can't shock or embarrass God about anything in our lives. Why? Because he knows everything. He's seen everything has taken place in your life. Too late if you're thinking that. He already knows. We may be able to hide some things from some people, but we hide nothing from God. Now, that's a great thing. I can approach God without any shame or any embarrassment as such because I'm not trying to cover up or hide something. God already knows it. That's freeing for me. That's liberating for me to build my identity in this God who already knows me. I haven't got some little dark corner he hasn't discovered yet. And he might say, no, no, I don't want you now. God knows everything. And the great thing about it is we don't have to put on a show to impress God. Thinking if I do enough good things here, that might cover up some of those bad things he hasn't seen yet. God knows it all. God knows it all. God is everywhere. Verses 7 to 12, this is what David is saying here about God. God is present everywhere. It's not a place where God isn't. There's nowhere that you can go that God isn't already there. There's no circumstance in your life that you go through where God isn't with you in that circumstance. Look in verses 11 and 12, he says this, If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. In the darkest days of our lives, when we feel completely and utterly alone, 
feeling crushed by our circumstances, when we feel like we've been shipwrecked, as it were, on the ocean of despair and absolutely crushed, God is there. God hasn't abandoned me. God hasn't walked out on me. And he hasn't left me to now just fend for myself to get through this next set of circumstances or the next challenge. God is there. God is the God who is there in the moment, in every moment. That's powerful to know about God. To know my identity in him and that he'll never leave me, he's not going to desert me, he's not going to part from me, gives me the confidence now identifying with God to go through whatever challenges I might face. He's the God who's there. Verses 13 to 16 of the same psalm, David comes back and says, uh, God is our sovereign creator again and life giver. Look in verses 13 to 14, it says this, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb, I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. That's a very powerful couple of verses there. To stop and think and reflect and meditate upon that is actually life-changing. Because guess what? Guess what? You're not a mistake. You're not an accident. You're not some inconvenience to the family. Even though you may have been told that, you're not a mistake. You're not an accident. And maybe you've been told that in the past plenty of times. That's just not true. Where has life begun? Life has begun at conception. At conception in the womb. David's telling us that right there, that God's knitted us together in our mother's womb. God has intricately created this body and uniquely gifting you even right there and then in your life. Those gifts and talents won't come out until later on, but that's exactly what God is doing right in your mother's womb. God's causing my heart to beat inside my mother's womb. God's giving me my very first breath as I emerge into this world. It's God who knits me together. It's God who gives me life. And it's the same God who does enable with me with these gifts and talents down the track as I develop and I, as I mature. Now, for my identity, that's powerful as I think about that. Like I said, I'm not an accident. I'm not a mistake. I'm actually valuable. I have worth. I have a creator who's made me. I didn't sort of fall off the assembly line by, you know, chance. God designated life into my, so- into my body and gave me a, an eternal soul. I see that and it's powerful for me to identify with that. Now, further on here, David says, uh, there's actually God knows my entire life. Entire life. Uh, there are no surprises for God when it comes to my life. Nothing surprises him. He knows exactly what is before me. Verse 16 says this, Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. It's another very big, powerful verse there again to see what God is doing. God's the author of my life. Before the days have even taken place, God's already written them out. 
God's already written them out. Before the good days, the bad days, the ugly days and the really ugly days, they're all written out. They're already done. God's written the story of my life. God has ordained every circumstance in my life that will take place. And it's all under his loving, caring sovereignty. That's powerful. It blows. I'm sure David's saying, I can't contain this again. He probably should have inserted that there as well. That's big. God knows how long I'm going to live. God knows all the milestones of my life are going to take place. God knows all the crushing days that I'll go through. God already knows all the pain I'm going to experience in this life. God knows it all. He's written every one of those days out. They're all written for me and they're all written for you. Now, for my identity, that's really reassuring. Really reassuring. Because I can trust God in that. That if he's written my life out, he's written every day that I'm going to live, I can trust that God will give me the grace and strength to go through whatever is coming. Because he hasn't written something into my life that's too big for me. In the natural it is, but he'll give me the grace to get through that. But he's also written me the great and glorious days as well, to rejoice as well as go through the challenging days. That's reassuring and powerful for me. Now, I don't know about you, as I think about that, as I think about here, the culture we sort of spoke about at the start, sort of going backwards, I look at what David's doing here in Psalm 139, and that's a culture, that's living forwards amongst a culture going backwards what David's explaining here in in 139. Because when I read that, I see strength and confidence. I see lots of strength and lots of confidence there about life as he talks about his relationship there with God. I see David confidently, as it were, being able to rest in God's sovereign care. I look at Psalm 139 and I see a picture of David here who knows who God is. And not only does David know who God is, but David knows who he is. He knows how to conduct himself in life and what to trust in. David understands that he's a creation of God and finds his identity in reflecting God's image back into the world that's been given to him. But when I see David's perspective on life and I see perhaps Facebook's perspective on life, I see a big gap, massive gap in the culture around about me. And what is the gap? The gap is this. We've actually rebelled away from our identity in God and we've tried to establish our own identity, perhaps 71 of them and maybe more, thinking that's where life was found. And in the process of doing that, we've actually cut ourselves off from God and just gone off and lived our own identity in our own way. And what are we doing? We're drifting somewhat aimlessly in a world of confusion. It's a bit like an astronaut gone out for a spacewalk leaves the space capsule, but he gets untethered from the space capsule and just drifts away into space. That's what it's like when we leave God out of the picture. We just drift into sort of this never-never land. But the drifting will come to an end one day when we do leave this earth and we meet God in eternal judgment. So what's the answer to this big gap? This drifting aimlessly in just losty confusion and trying to find our way in this world. And seeing David who's got this rock solid foundation in God who knows who his creator is and knows where purpose and fulfilment comes from 
and knows where to build his identity in? How do we reconnect with this God? How do we find this answer here to bridge this gap? God does something amazing. God does something marvellous. He sends his son, Jesus Christ, to reclaim our identity. Look what it says here in Luke 19 that Simon read for us before. Luke 19, 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Did you hear that? For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Did you hear it? Zacchaeus was lost. He was building his identity in wealth and riches. That was his identity. He discovered that was going nowhere fast. Jesus came and discovered him. He's come to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man, Jesus Christ, has come to seek and save the lost out of this world of identity confusion. Jesus, the perfect man, perfectly identified with God. Why? Because he was God. And what did he do? He came and took upon himself our broken, rebellious identity so that we could be reconciled and brought back to God. Jesus died in our place so that we could now identify with God and be reconciled with him. That's the gospel. That's the good news of who Jesus is and what he's done. He takes on our broken identity so we can now identify with God. And when Jesus does that, he changes everything for us. Not just some things, everything. And here's what I mean by that. I still live in a world that's got an identity crisis. I haven't been taken out. I'm still here. I'm still struggling in this world to some extent. I'm still subject to the challenges and temptations when I look over the fence and see what other people are doing. It still actually does something in my heart and grabs me and pulls me a bit. Social media and other people are still trying to influence me. I'm not immune to that. I still experience the frustration and somewhat futility in this world as well. I'm not immune to that either, even being a disciple of Jesus. Doubts and questions will still arise in my heart and mind from time to time. This is the world we live in. But Jesus changes everything. How does he change that? I go back to the gospel and I'll come back to Psalm 139 and I read and I meditate on this. God has created me. God knows me. God is with me. God has ordained every day of my life. I come back and I think and I reflect and I meditate upon that truth. Then the Holy Spirit takes that truth. God takes that truth and deepens and strengthens my identity again. It builds foundations. It builds confidence within me. And what it does when it's doing that, it actually tears down the walls of insecurity within me. I don't have to be like that person over there. I don't have to have a life like that person over there. I've got an identity in God. My future is secure. And that builds a really solid, unshakable foundation in my life. That nothing can move, no bad day can move, no crushing day can move, no ugly circumstance can move. That's what David sees here in Psalm 139, an identity with God. So if we wrap up here, here's the question today. Do you know that identity? Have you got that identity in God, knowing that you are his creation, made in his image to reflect an image back into this world? If not, what are you building your life on? What is it that you're trying to build your foundations of life on? 
Are you lost in this world with an identity crisis? Jesus says once again, come home. Come home and let me find you and reconnect you with your creator. just want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. I've got to pray now, but before I pray, with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're struggling today with identity, I want you to just raise your hand. You might say, what are we doing this for, Todd? That'll just help me pray now. So if you're struggling today with identity, just as every head is bowed and every eye closed, just feel free to just raise your hand now before I pray. That'll help me to just connect. Beautiful, a few hands going up. Okay, let me pray. Thanks. Thanks, guys, for the people who have done that. Not so much anything special in raising the hand, but it's a picture there of just, yep, that's where I'm at. Challenged, struggle by identity. It is such a crushing thing in this world. So, Lord, we want to come before you now and ask and pray, Father, you'd help us. Help us in this really difficult world, Lord. We are surrounded by things trying to influence, influence us and tell us this is where life is found. Come and follow me and I will show you where life is. We open up our smartphone and it's just right there in front of us telling us this is where life is. We walk down the street, we look in the shop windows, Lord, and they're telling us this is where life is. We're not saying any of those things are wrong as such, but Lord, we know that that is not where life is found. Lord, we know where life is found only in you. And we can only be reconnected to that life as we come back humbly and bowing our knee before Jesus Christ, our Lord and Saviour. So Lord, I pray today, please take Psalm 139 and just recalibrate our minds again. Refocus our minds again. That it's not about what I'm seeing around about me, Lord. That it's all about you. That I'm building my foundations on you as my creator. Lord, for those who are struggling today with it, I pray, please, please let your spirit come in and just bring that word alive in their hearts. That, Lord, you give them the breath in their lungs. Lord, you give them the talents and the abilities they have. That, Lord, you give them everything they have. And that we don't need to impress other people, Lord. We don't even need to impress you. Because you accept us just as we are. You just call us to live out a humble life, honouring and glorifying you. Lord, that is so liberating. That is so freeing. I pray, Holy Spirit, just take that redemptive gospel truth and build that into our hearts today and let that just begin to release us to live in freedom and to live for your glory alone and to take all the gifts and talents and abilities and perhaps possessions or whatever you've given to us, to take all those things and to use them for your glory and your purposes, I pray. Father, I ask that and I pray that now in Jesus' name, amen. We trust you have enjoyed our Bible talk from today. If you have any questions or comments from today's talk, please feel free to contact us at info at exchangechurch.org.au. Also, we love to welcome new people to Exchange Church in person, so consider yourself invited to be with us. 